0: folk Singer is dead after she was attacked by a pair of coyotes. <laughs> what is the monkey doing? Tell me what's the <laughs> your face off. we actually have a trainer in the water with one of our whales? If I show weakness, if I retreat, I may be hurt, I may be killed. Baby Azaria Chamberlain was taken by a dingo back in 1980. Hello. This is Liam Neeson, and you're listening to Man Eaters, the podcast. And if they have cubs, we're already dead. Did you know that you can rate and subscribe and click a button and it helps this podcast out? And if they have cubs, we're already dead. I lost my daughter and my wife in Europe twice. I'm just a bad family man. And if they have cobs, we're already dead. (coughs) Oh, what the fuck was that? That was weird. Anyway, welcome back to Man It is the only true crime podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animals. I'm your host, James, and I've been really excited to record this one. Um, This is the first edition of Man Eater Movies, a new episode format we're trying out. It's essentially like a movie club for fans of animal attacks, which is a combination that I've never seen done before um, in a podcast. Maybe that's for the best. Maybe it's a terrible idea. Maybe this is the end. Um, But you know, if there's one thing we all know about me, it's that I love implementing and delivering on bad ideas. So what is this podcast? Essentially, I'm going to watch um, movies that feature um, man-eating animals and we're going to talk about them and we're going to, I guess, give them a review maybe at the end. I'm not quite sure. We'll talk about how accurate they are to how these animals actually interact with people in the wild. Um, We might talk about how they you know, what parallels um, the story has to things in real life, if the story actually was based on true life or if it was fiction. Um, And we'll also just, guess, I guess, do a little bit of film critique and just talk about the movies themselves and how they're made. So um, you may have already guessed from the thumbnail um, of this episode, if you can see it, or... um, by the by, the title of the episode, or by that really, really good Liam Neeson impression at the very beginning of the app, um, we are doing a episode about The Gray. The Gray is a two thousand and eleven film starring Liam Neeson. Um, it was about a a plane full of oil workers or oil men who um <clears throat> have to survive in the frozen wastelands of Alaska whilst being hunted by a pack of uh, grey wolves, hence the name The Grey. So, um, look, initial thoughts. Uh, I watched this sh- this movie um, a few weeks ago with my partner Celia. Um, overall, we both liked it as a film. Um, we thought the performances were really good, especially Liam Neeson. Um, we thought that the themes and the storytelling was was quite good. Um it did drag a little bit. There were some interesting things that happened. There was some things that weren't so interesting, and we're going to get into that now. But before um we do that, I'm going to just do a quick, I guess, um, summary of the plot, a synopsis of the plot, I guess. Um, so if you want to watch The Grey and don't want anything spoiled, Maybe skip the rest of the episode. I don't know. Give the episode a like and fuck off and come back later. It's been out for 11 years. I feel like if you haven't seen The Grey by now, you're probably not going to see it. But I'll, I'll read through anyway. This is your, that was your spoiler warning. So, um, right, The Grey. Let me get my glasses. I'm an old man. So, yeah, it's a survival film. It was co-written, produced, and directed by Joe Carnahan and starred Liam Neeson, as well as Frank Grillo, Dallas Roberts, Joe Anderson, Nonzo Anonzi... <laughs> I don't know. Is that his name? Anonsi. And Dermot Mulroney. Better names, guys. Come on. So, um... Yeah, the plot... Basically, uh, Liam Neeson plays a guy named John Otway. Um, he's like a sniper shooting expert. He's a marksman. Uh, and he works for an oil company in Alaska. His job primarily is to protect the the crews who are working on the oil line from um, wolves. So he will like camp out in trees and basically snipe any uh, attacking grey wolves that are threatening the drillers. <clears throat> so, um... These workers work on shifts, like, a month or so at a time, and then they go home. So on the last day of this job, he sees a wolf that's pursuing a pipeline worker and shoots it, and he goes up to the wolf and he, like, listens to his final breaths. Um, <clears throat> that evening, uh, everyone is celebrating at the, uh, I guess it's like a bar or a pub, um, before they're all going to go onto a plane the next day that flies off to, I think, Anchorage um, to give them two weeks off. Um, the evening before they leave, Otway is writing a letter to his wife, Anna. Um, basically it's a suicide note. That he's explaining he's going to kill himself. And so he actually goes out after his uh, drinking in the pub, he goes out and puts the barrel of his gun in his mouth, but he ultimately doesn't pull the trigger. He doesn't pull it off. Um, <clears throat> so the next day, like I said, they get on the plane. Um, he meets some of the other workers that he hasn't met that much, including a really annoying one, um, whose name I can't remember what it is, but I'll, I'll see if I can find it later. Um, they board the plane and he goes to sleep and he wakes up with the engines on fire. Um, the plane crashing. Um, it, it basically hits turbulence and falls apart and it crashes in the, um, remote Alaskan wilderness. So after waking up, uh, in the snow after, you know, being ejected from the plane, um, he discovers that only a handful of people have survived the crash, so, uh, Liam Neeson's character always sees a character named, uh, Chavez calling for help, he's, like, pinned in his, um, the, the plane seat, and his legs are, like, all cut up and stuck, um, so they, he helps him, um, but Chavez has hypoxia, so, way then finds a bunch of other characters. He finds Hernandez, <clears throat> he finds Flannery, um, and he finds Diaz and Burke and Henrik. So Henrik um, is watching as another passenger named Llewellyn. He has like a big puncture wound in his in his abdomen. And Liam Neeson essentially is like he's not he's not gonna make it. Uh, go to sleep, it's okay now. And he says some words from a poem, and um, he dies. Llewellyn dies, um, which traumatizes a couple of the other. Um, uh, passengers. So Liam Neeson's character, um, John, basically his survival instincts kick in and he takes charge of the leaders. Um, he seems to be the one in the group who's got the most, um, wilderness, uh, preparation, not what, what I'm saying, like wilderness experience. And, uh, he's not prepared for a situation like this, but he's the most prepared out of everyone. Um, so he he's getting everyone to gather belongings and sort of, you know, find food, get everyone to safety, uh, patch up anyone who's wounded, and he sort of does like a, a survey around the plane, and he, he sees off in the distance like a clump of trees, whatever you call it, a bunch of trees, and he goes and investigates, and he sees one of the flight attendants, one of the women who was nice to him in the plane, um, and she's moving on the ground, so he runs to help her, but he realizes too late that... Um, the movement is only happening because there's a wolf eating her corpse, um, the wolf sort of raises up and, uh, <coughs> attacks him, and I was pretty shocked at this point, I was like, oh damn, like, is, is he gonna, like, get injured straight away? He was lucky because the, the rest of the survivors came along and scared the group, um, uh, Diaz finds Calfskin's body, Ooh. I can't remember if that is, um, so Otway realises after he's uh, brushed with the wolf that the, uh, the plane is actually crash landed in the middle of the wolf territory. And he suggests that, um, at nighttime they take turns to keep watch so that the wolves don't, um, <clears throat> sneak up on them and, and pick anyone else off. He seems to be the only one at this point who really understands the danger that these, that they're all in, um, the rest of the survivors are still, I guess, traumatized from their plane crash and not really thinking too much about um, the wolves at this point. But they, they they eventually listen to him and they do keep watch. Um, uh, so on watch the first night, um, Hernandez gets distracted and is killed and eaten and ripped apart by two wolves. And m- like miraculously, um, like the rest of the group doesn't hear it. He's screaming and they don't hear it. And I think it's because of the 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 howling wind basically the wind was so loud they didn't hear a man getting ripped apart like 20 meters away from them while they're asleep so they wake up and they find Hernandez dead ripped apart they're traumatized holy shit um so then Otway who was Liam Neeson suggests that they need to move away from the crash, because they he he thinks they're in the middle of the wolf's territory, and he thinks that staying there is only going to put them into more uh, more danger, and more wolf attacks are going to occur because of it. Uh, Diaz, who is the other sort of main character I guess he's the second main character in the show he's played by Frank Grillo um, who you may recognize from like Captain America Civil War he played um, well uh, Brock Rumlow who eventually turns into Crossbones um, he was in yeah The Winter Soldier and uh, Civil War and I think he popped up again in Avengers uh, Endgame as well <clears throat> so Diaz basically challenges Otway and his, uh, his his leadership essentially he thinks that he should be in charge he kind of elects that it should be a more of like a survival of the fittest situation go off and do your own thing um so th- that's like kind of the central human clashes between diaz and otway um so diaz yeah is searching through all the wallets um for dead families i think that was an, uh, an order from um from otway and he pockets one of the uh wallets and otway basically tells him to put it back don't do that um and it's a little bit of a yeah, a clash, I guess, right there. Um, he also finds an a radio, like an emergency watch with a radio beacon, which you know the gang is kind of uh, hesitant to believe that it's actually going to do anything good. They think they're like novelty items that these things don't actually work. But regardless, he takes it and he turns the radio beacon on um, in some sort of vain hope. That a rescue party will come um they also discuss how like they they do not have any faith that the oil company is going to be sending anyone to help because they think that i think one character actually says at a certain point think of all the payroll that these guys have just pocketed from a plane full of their workers dying before being paid um so yeah it's a nice little i guess critique of alaskan capitalism there as well um eventually Otway does convince the group that they need to move off. So the next day they start doing that. They're walking in line towards a tree line. Um, but Flannery falls behind. He's got an injured leg. He falls behind and he's killed by, um, three wolves and the the survivors just watch him get ripped apart. The wolves turn on the survivors and run. So basically it's a sprint. It's a race now to the tree line. They get in there. They light a fire as quickly as they can. And they build some makeshift weaponry, like out of sticks and spears. Um, Diaz at this point is succumbing to stress he's freaking out he takes out a knife and he threatens Otway he threatens to kill him he's losing his mind he's quickly disarmed um and it looks like John's gonna break his arm or kill him he lets off he kind of is now you know no pun intended he's shown off that he's the alpha of the group um and then a wolf comes and just attacks Diaz um but before you know, he can apologize and before he dies from this wolf attack, uh, the rest of the group fights it off and they actually kill the wolf. They, they kill it with the, with the spears. Um, <clears throat> Otway surmises or assumes that this wolf that has attacked Diaz was an Omega wolf um, that's been sent in by the pack leader to test the group's strength. So Diaz, who's still a little bit <laughs> crazy at this point, cuts the wolf's head off um, and then throws the, hever- the severed head back at the pack who uh, caused the wolves to howl and rage. At this point, the um, the group has now been able to eat some meat from the wolf, so they're 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 feeling a bit recharged. The morale is slightly higher. The group dynamic is starting to come in a little bit, um, you know, and they're discussing some of the the philosophical themes that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. Um, Diaz tells the group that he's an atheist; he doesn't believe in anything uh, higher, anything like that. Um, Talget says that he does believe in God, and he's talking about his daughter or who he loves. Um, Otway says that he's also an atheist, and he and Diaz sort of agree there, but in, uh, you know, oh, what am I saying, in uh, opposition to what Diaz says, Diaz is like a proud, defiant atheist, doesn't care, Otway at least says, you know, I wish I could believe in God, I can't, it would be very nice if I could, um, which is a really nice, interesting um, discussion that, that had by them around the fire. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Otway also recites a poem, and the poem comes back three or four times during the, uh, during the, uh, god, what is it, the, during the movie, uh, let me see if I can find it, I can't remember what it is, it's, it's something like, oh yeah, it's, uh, this is the poem, and I'll do it in the limit lean- once more into the free, into the last good night <laughs> good fight. Into the last good fight I'll ever know. Live and die on this day. Live and die on this day. Yeah, that poem comes back a lot, and it kind of sums up the plot, I guess, of the story. So, the next morning, um, they wake up. A blizzard has hit, hit already, and Burke, who had been suffering from the hypoxia, he's, he's dead now. So, there's, I think, four... Uh, or five, there's five remaining uh, survivors. They travel to the edge of a canyon and they realize that behind them are the wolves and in front of them is this big cliff and they need to get down um, because if they stay up there, the wolves have basically backed them into a corner and they're in intense danger. So um, what they decide to do is they decide to run and jump onto a tree. Uh, the first person is going to carry a rope made out of like, well, I think it is just rope and clothes and stuff like that. He's going to jump, with it onto the tree, and the rest of them are going to sort of, like, monkey bar across. So, I believe... Who is the first person that jumps? I think Henrik. Henrik is the first one to go. So, he secures the line to a tree, and Diaz and Otway traverse the canyon. Um, Talget gets stuck uh, on a hook, and the rope breaks, and he's able to, like... Well, it basically breaks, and he falls and hits the ground, and he, like, gets eaten by the wolves, basically. So he's dead. Talgut was also afraid of uh, heights, so that's why he elected to go last. Um, Attempting to save Talgut, Diaz falls from the tree, and he hurts his leg really badly. So now there's only three survivors. There's Diaz, Otway, and Henrik, okay? They arrive at a river, um, and Diaz now has been, like, walking for hours on this injured leg. He's humbled Um, he's, his character changes is is quite dramatic and he basically stops. He just sits down and he says, I'm not going on anymore. Um, I'm not going to fight this. I'm going to die. I'm going to die in nature. Um, I can, I can deal with that. I can't deal with dying from, you know, starvation in the middle of like the snow. I can't deal with being ripped apart by wolves. I can just sit here and like, just pass away looking at the sunset. That's good enough for me. Um, you know, Henrik tries to... Fight him on this. He's like, no, come on, we've gotten this far. Otway basically says, yeah, I agree, fuck off, and and leaves him there. So, um, you know, Diaz sits there, and it's actually a really nice moment. And I thought we were just going to leave him there. But then you hear the wolves coming, and it's implied that the wolves do get him before he passes away. So he ultimately died painfully. Um, Anyway, so uh, after this, they're running away from wolves. The, The wolves have tracked them down, they're running away. Henrik falls into the river that they're at and gets swept under. And he's like foot gets trapped by a rock and a log under the surface. He's just millimeters away from the surface of the water, but he can't breathe. Otway tries to pull him loose, but he can't. And Hendrik drowns. So now Otway is completely alone and he angrily screams to God to show him something real, but nothing happens. Um, so he decides that he's going to do it himself. So he's suffering from hypothermia. He's exhausted. Um, He keeps walking and he eventually stops in the middle of this little forest area and uh he goes through the bag and gets all the collected wallets out of all the men that cr- that died and he he re- he arranges them in a cross basically so he's arranged the wallets into a cross and he realizes too late that he's actually stumbled right into the wolf's den so rather than leading his team away from the danger he was actually wrong the whole time he has led them towards the center of their uh, of their territory he's walked into the epicenter of this this wolf pack um and he's realized it too late. He understands that he's kind of gone now. He's surrounded by the wolf pack, and he's facing his leader, which is a massive gray wolf. Otway looks at a photo of his wife in his wallet, and it's revealed in a flashback that she actually died of a terminal illness, um, and that's the reason for his suicidal attempt um, earlier in the film. So the alpha wolf slowly approaches Otway. Otway decides, you know, I'm not going to lie down and just die. I'm at least going to fight, and I think he knows at this point he's got barely any chance, he pulls a knife out, and he grabs a bunch of, like, liquor bottles that another man had collected, and puts them between his fingers, and he smashes them, and he takes them up, so he's got, like, Wolverine glass claws on one hand, and a knife on the other, and, uh, yeah, basically, he he lunges at the wolf, and we hear the words recited, once more into the fray, into the last good fight I'll ever know, live and die on this day, live and die on this day, the two collide... (laughs) And the film cuts to black, and that's the end of the movie. There is a post-credit scene, which is like really weird for a movie like this to have. There's a post-credit scene where we see like um, the back of the wolf. We just see like its uh, ribs, basically, and we see Otway's, I think, arm, and they're both breathing heavily and lying down on each other in the aftermath of the fight. And it's not clear who who has won the fight, um, and that's basically where that movie ends. So yeah, ultimately. A pretty decent survival story. Um, I'm going to go through now and tell you the things I liked about it and what I didn't like about it. So let's talk about the, the good first, okay? The best thing about this film is Liam Neeson. Um, this is just coming up off the bat from, um, what was it, Taken. Um, so he's sort of re-establishing himself as an action hero now. Um, his performance is quite good. Another thing that's like a big plus is that rather than making it just a generic... Um, survival, you know, semi-horror film, um, they elected to really, like, discuss some pretty interesting themes, um, the themes of, like, faith and suicide and, uh, you know, how far should you go to survive, um, were really interesting, uh, you know, those are really good things. The, the cinematography is really beautiful, especially the scene where um, uh, Frank Grillo's character Diaz sits down and passes away. It's a really beautiful view. It's the best-looking shot in the movie, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and, and I, I the, the cast do a pretty good job as well, in particular Liam Neeson and Frank Grillo. That kind of leads into the first negative, which is, apart from Liam Neeson, and to a lesser extent Frank Grillo, none of the actors and characters really matter (laughs) they don't really mean anything in fact like as we were watching I'm like okay so these characters like what what differentiates them but so by the time we're halfway through and we've kind of like found our footing as to what this film is and we have this little group of survivors I can go okay so there's the Liam Neeson character who's a sniper and like a cool badass guy there's Frank Grillo's character who's just like an asshole and then we have a sick black man that's one of them. We have a white guy who wears glasses and we have another white guy who doesn't wear glasses. And that's all I could tell you about those last three characters. Honestly, like that, that those that that is their defining characteristics. Um at least um oh gosh, who was it Talget? Um he at least has a little bit of a story where he's like thinking about wait, am I thinking of Talget or am I thinking about um hold on, who am I thinking about? Give me one second. Am I thinking Talget? No, I'm not thinking. It. Talget is the guy with the glasses. No, not him. Um, yes, yes. Ja- okay, so Burke. Burke is the one who dies of um, hypothermia or hypoxia halfway through. Um, he's the guy. So at least to him, he has um, a little bit of a subplot where he, you know, he's thinking about his sister and his daughter and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Still pretty boring. And James Badge uh, Dale is in there too as as Llewellyn. Uh, Lou Wellenden, he is, like, just the annoying guy, but he basically dies very, very early on. So, like I said, apart from Liam Neeson and Frank Reload these characters don't have much depth or complex- complexity. The actors have done their best, I think, with not much to work with, um, but I guess that, to me, is my biggest gripe with the film, is just that the the... Supporting cast is not given enough to do, um, and so maybe in an extended cut of this movie. Although the movie is quite long, it, it is nearly I think it was like around two and a half hours. Um, the runtime was 117 minutes, so it's not a short movie. It's not the longest ever, but you know, definitely definitely not a not a short movie yeah, we definitely could have seen more from these characters or at least a little bit just to differentiate them. But that's just my opinion. Maybe, I'm, maybe I didn't pay enough attention and you might watch it and think, no, that's Chapman's wrong. He's completely wrong. And that's, that's fine. Um, so basically what else, what else should we talk about? So the production, um, directed by Joe Carnahan and I learned this last night when researching. Um, so he actually worked with Liam Neeson on the 2010 film, The A-Team, which is a really bad movie that I love. Um, so initially, the film was going to be cast by um, Bradley Cooper. They wanted um, Ot- Ot- Otman, not Otway, Otway to be like a uh, uh, like a younger kind of guy, but they basically decided that they wanted an older guy, so they went with Lee, um, Liam Neeson. So they yeah they filmed it in January um, twenty eleven, and it ended in March. So it was only forty days of filming, which is like pretty pretty short. That's just over a month of filming. Um, they filmed it in Canada. Um. What else? Interesting. Oh, I found this interesting as well, and maybe a little bit fucked up. So, um, the director kind of encouraged um Liam Neeson to channel his grief over the death of his wife Natasha Richardson, and I didn't realize that he had a a wife that passed away. But she she died in two thousand and nine. Um, that's only two years before this film wrapped. So, that, to me, that's a little bit fucked up to kind of get them to do, but. I guess it worked. His grief is pretty, he's a pretty good performer in this movie, and the grief definitely comes through. I believe that he was suicidal for sure. Um, in a QA as well, the director said that um, there was like an alternative ending where there actually is a fight scene between Liam Neeson and the Alpha Wolf. Um, it wasn't in the movie, and it wasn't in any deleted scenes in any DVDs. Um, and I'm kind of glad. I think that it's a It's better to leave that up to the imagination about what happens there. Um, There is a little bit of controversy about this film as well. Um, So on January 19 in 2012, um, British Columbia's The Province featured an article about the movie's crew buying four wolf carcasses. Two of the wolf carcasses were used for props in the film and two of the wolves were actually for the cast to eat in the movie. Um, This apparently angered environmentalists Environmentalists and um, animal rights activists who were pissed off basically because the film depicts wolves in a negative light, specifically at a time where the wolves are not um, on any endangered species list in most of Western American states. Um, the response of the portrayal of wolves in the film, uh, groups including Peter and Wild Earth Guardians, started to drive boycotts of the films, which, as far as I can understand, didn't have any impact on the box office. They didn't; they weren't very successful boycotts. Um, the the production company Open Road responded uh, to this criticism by placing a fact sheet about the Grey Wolf on the film's official website, uh, and Carnahan, who was the director, responded to the criticism by saying the film is meant to reflect humanity's internal spiritual journeys. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's that. A lot of films get criticised by environmentalists uh, for, you know, varying degrees of good reasons. Um This one, I think, like if I if they had shot and killed four wolves and then used the corpses for the film, I can understand. But from from my reading, my research, I believe that the wolves were already dead from either natural causes or from being hunted because they were like on farms or something like that. So the bodies were already dead and they were being put to use. I don't think you need to eat the animals in the film. Like we don't need to make actors eat. Fucking animal. It's like it's like in the what was that movie? The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. How he's like a vegetarian or a vegan, but they made him eat like raw fish, (laughs) like just grab a fish out of the water while it was still alive and start eating it. We don't need to do that. It's like the twenty twenties. This is the twenty tens. You know, filmmaking is good. We don't have to do that CGI the fucking fish. But um, look, anyway, um, there was um, you know some good feedback. Overall, the film had like. Mixed feedback. They said it's an exciting tale. Who said this? Um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, The Gray is an exciting tale of survival populated with fleshed-out characters. I disagree, and a surprising philosophical agenda. I do agree with that. That's interesting. So it weighted about sixty-four out of a hundred on a on reviews based off thirty-five different critics, and yeah, the the general consensus is that it's a generally favorable film. Um, Robert. Uh, Roger Ebert gave the film three and a half stars out of four, which is quite good. This is what he wrote. He said, "It was the first time I walked out of a film because of the previous film. The way I was feeling in my gut, uh, sorry, the way I was feeling in my gut, it just wouldn't be fair to the next film." There's time for some conversation among men, and this film, directed by Joe Carnahan and written by him and Ian McKenzie, Jeffers, treats them as individuals. They're not simply a group of victims. The Grey advances with pitless logic. There are more wolves than men. The men have weapons. The wolves have patience. The weather is punishing. I sat regarding the screen with mounting dread. The movie had to have a happy ending, didn't it? If not happy, then at least a relief in some sense. Sit through the entire credits. There's one more shot to come. Not that you wouldn't have been content without it. That's quite a good review. I, I just disagree with this idea that they had, um, you know, fleshed out characters apart from Liam Neeson and uh, Frank Grillo's characters. Um, there were negative reviews. Um, you know, people who didn't like it tended to focus on the film's abrupt ending, which I don't have a problem with. I think it was a, a great ending. Um, they perceive the emotional and philosophical undertones as unnecessary. Maybe. I think it's it just elevates the film into a different type of genre. Siobhan Sinot of The Scotsman gave the film two stars, commenting, On the downside, there's a lot of dull, pretentious philosophizing about the heartlessness of nature and God. On the upside, you get to see a man punch a wolf in the face. Some reviewers and analysts say the film has an atheist theme due to characters such as John Otway pleading for divine help but not getting any. Uh, you know, that's just real life. Sorry to anyone who's a believer out there, but um, that's just what real life is, pleading to God and... Not getting any help. Um, yeah. I also read that this um, movie won an award um, for, like, what was it? It was like a, a wolf association, basically, a company or a, or a group that's dedicated to advancing the survivalness of, of grey wolves in North America. And they had an award ceremony, and the grey one. I'm trying to find where I wrote this down. I uh, uh, can't find it. Yeah. No, is it here? No, okay. Well, basically, it won an award for like being, you know, uh, sensationalist about about wolves. So that's a great. Let's let's talk about that. Is the film accurate to how grey wolves act in the wild? The short answer is yes. The long answer is no. So um, let's start with the short answer. Yes, wolves are incredibly dangerous animals. They eat and kill hundreds of people. Um, and if you listen to our last episode of Man Eaters, the, uh, the, the wolves of... Uh, no, the Kirak wolves, the Kirkov wolf attacks, uh, and also the Tuko wolf attacks in, um, in Finland. You know, these packs of wolves killed dozens of children over the course of a few years. They're incredibly dangerous. That's, that's the short answer. The long answer, which is the one I would, you know, tend to <laughs> point towards, the long answer is No. In general, wolves are not this aggressive, they don't hunt people like this, Uh, generally they will leave people alone. But in this very specific circumstance of crashing a plane in, in very remote wilderness where food is short, in the middle of winter with blizzards happening, no other prey in sight, would the wolves target the men? Quite possibly, very possibly actually. The other thing that people had to have a problem with, and I need to like do some research in this, and maybe we'll just do that now while we're live. This whole, um, you know, theory about alpha wolves and, and dominance hierarchy—it's something that a lot of people uh, in politics talk about now, especially on the right of politics, um, and. It's my understanding that, like, a lot of these theories about wolf hierarchies and alpha males, and especially how that links into into uh, humans, a lot of that has been debunked, as far as I'm aware. I'm not smart enough or political enough to sort of be able to talk about that, but one thing I did read was that um, the whole alpha wolf, omega wolf thing isn't as... Um, rigid, as I think we've been previously told. And it certainly doesn't relate to humans as well. I think just because, like, every pack has an alpha, allegedly, um, apparently people think that humans do too. I don't know how much I would agree with that, but it is worth the discussion. So... Um, We're coming up to the... I mean, that's basically the synopsis. It's what I thought about it. I thought it was a pretty good film. It was pretty entertaining. I enjoyed it. I would recommend you watch it. It's it's, it's a really good movie, especially if you like watching Liam Neeson films. It's probably in his top half of his filmography, and it's probably in the top third of his filmography if you're trying to look at, like, well-made movies that make you think they're not just, like, action porn. Um, It's like, you know, if you just want to watch Liam Neeson kick ass for two hours go and watch Taken or Taken 2 um, or Nonstop, the one where he's just doing Taken on an airplane but if you want to watch a you know an action movie with Liam Neeson that does have some philosophical themes and makes you think about certain things and it's not just like a violence-a-thon maybe The Grey is for you maybe it's it's up there um I certainly would recommend it I thought Frank Grillo had a sort of a standout performance not as good as Liam Neeson but considering the amount of screen time that he has did quite well, the rest of the cast are good, but they don't have anything to do. Um, and that's uh, the direction is, is relatively solid. The screenplay is okay. The filmography is, is very... Cinematography, sorry, is, is quite nice as well. That, that's where I go as a film. Now, as like accuracy towards animals, a lot of people, I think, are going to say that, the, that it presents wolves in a negative light that's not accurate. And I think, like I said before, that that's kind of true. But it's also not kind of true. I think that it, is it to, if this was a movie about um, uh, dolphins, right, and like we we our boat capsized in the middle of the ocean and a pack of dolphins started hunting me and my friends, that would be outside the realm of reality. That, as far as I'm aware, has never happened and will not happen to you. You're going to probably be eaten by sharks or more likely drown or get sunstroke or something like that. If that was a movie that they had made called The... the blue, the blue, the blue bottlenose dolphins, um, then I would be like, yeah, this is a zero out of 10 in terms of realisticness. In this specific situation, I can totally see it being plausible that wolves would act this way towards humans. And so I'm going to say it's like a four out of four out of five um, in terms of, yeah, animal realisticness. Okay. So where does that put our well, first, I guess we need to talk about what our rating system's going to be because it's the first time. Should we go out of 10? Should we go out of five? Or should we do like a percentage? Let's do, let's do out of five, okay? And what, what, what should we use rather than stars? We should use like a, 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 a tooth or um, a leaf. I don't know. Maybe a tiger. Let's just do a wolf for now because it's the animal. The gray. Okay, out of five wolves. What does this movie get? I think this wolf movie gets three and a half wolves out of five. Three and a half. It's, it's, it's no okay K movie. It's not the best movie ever. I will probably never watch it again. It's not the kind of movie that has a lot of rewatch value. But if you uh, have an afternoon off and you're looking to see a Liam Neeson movie that's not just shooting men in the face over and over again, this might be for you. So I recommend, if, if that's you, if that sounds like you, Give it a listen. Um, Yeah, three and a half wolves. Well done. Okay, that is our first episode wrapped up. Let me know what you think. Pretty please. I would like to uh, plug our Patreon, please, and thank everyone who has uh, donated their their money very generously over on the Patreon. Um, Thank you to everyone who reaches out on social media. I am so sorry. There was one person who sent me a really nice message and I haven't written down their name, um, so I will, I will give you a shout out next episode, but they said a very nice thing to me, um, so as always, I love hearing back from people who are listening to the show, we are getting dangerously close to 10,000 uh, streams, which is my goal for this year, so I think 500 more streams, and we're up to it, so listen to this episode again, listen to all the other episodes again, um, what else, what else, what else? Yep. Stay tuned next week. I have a really interesting, uh, it looks like it might be a two part series or maybe even a three part series starting next week. I found a list of every single fatal bear attack that's happened in North America. So we're going to start going through those from the beginning, which is like 1730, all the way to the most recent bear attacks in 2022. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this new version of the episode. Stay tuned for next week, a regular episode of Man is coming out, um, part one of North American Bear Attacks. Thank you for being with me. Have a fantastic day. And please stay safe because as we've learned, it's a jungle out there.